Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Hi friends, great to be with you again this week. Today is a very special day. Today we're going to be talking about moms, all the things that they do that are great, and as well, an opportunity to be able to honor them. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today as we go through the scriptures, and especially, Lord, as we look at the book of Exodus, and we look at Moses' mother, Jochebed. Please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Abraham Lincoln once said, "All that I ever, the, oh, sorry, all that I am or forever hope to be, I'm able to be because of my mom." You know, mothers are very special people. It's who we look to, especially when we're young, to feed us, to clothe us, to nurture us. And when we look back at Exodus, it takes a very special mom, probably uh, other than Mary. Jochebed is one of the most famous mothers as well. Now, during this time, in Exodus 1, it refers back to Genesis and, and Joseph to help understand what the backdrop was. It was a difficult time. And so we find that we, we recently, a couple weeks ago, talked about the life of Joseph and his father, Jacob, Joseph's brothers, 12 brothers. And as, as you will read in Genesis, jo uh, Joseph eventually makes uh, his way to, to Egypt. He becomes prime minister. And while there is this big famine and drought, he brings his family to live with them in Egypt. And he cares and provides for them. Well, over time, hundreds of years later, I think roughly at least 400 years later, there's a new pharaoh. And the new pharaoh doesn't uh, remember or know who Joseph was or his contributions. And over time, he starts to enslave all of the Israelites, all of Jacob's descendants. There was too many of them in the eyes of the Egyptians. They didn't want to uh, have to contend with them by the Israelites uh, forming an alliance with an Egyptian enemy. And, and so they tried to assert control and authority over them. And the slave drivers would add more tasks and more oppression every single day, moving on until it was just too much. So they cry out to God. Well, in the midst of this, we see that they keep growing and growing and growing. So much so that Pharaoh orders uh, the midwives to kill every Hebrew boy that is born, but still save the girls. Well, time would still go on. The Hebrew midwives were faithful. And they were faithful to God. And uh, they let the boys live. So much so when they would try to explain to Pharaoh, <laughs> uh, basically scripture says that well, the Hebrew women, they're so vigorous that they had the baby before we could even get there. So, Interestingly enough, you know, when we look back at, at Abraham, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, these women had trouble conceiving and bearing children. It was only because of God that they were able to have kids. Now, at this point, the promise has been fulfilled and that there is an overabundance 
of Hebrew or Israelite children. And Pharaoh is threatened by this. All of the Egyptians are threatened by this because they're starting to, to grow and grow and grow. And is it possible? Could they overthrow the Egyptian government? So then, Pharaoh enlists his own countrymen and basically tells them that if you find a Hebrew baby boy, throw him in the Nile River. In fact, Jewish commentaries uh, allegedly they point out that uh, Egyptian parents would take their baby boy or their children and they would walk near the Hebrew homes and they would have their children cry and when that it would cause uh, an, uh, a Hebrew boy to cry they would grab that baby as well snatch them, snap, uh, throw them in the, in the river. This is the backdrop of where Moses was born. And yet we find in in Hebrews 2, there was a man of the tribe of Levi married to a Levite woman. Now their names are not mentioned here, but Exodus 6 will point out that uh, the man Amram and, and Jochebed, Moses' mother, she became pregnant, she gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And as well note that in Hebrew, uh, fine is actually the same word as good as used in Genesis. Remember where God, he created this and that, and he said it was good. She recognized that this child was special. But when she could hide him no longer, after three months, okay, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Interestingly enough as well, it, it, to, to understand this story, especially a Hebrew or a Jew, you'll see that there's some allusions to what would take place. Read as well when Jesus, uh, sorry, when uh, Moses, had, they crossed the Red Sea as well. There was plenty of read. And as well as the papyrus basket, the, the, the wording here is actually the same word that is used for the ark in Noah. Already allusions as to what either happened before or would take place in the future. Now, Jochebed, because she was older, if she were to follow this basket, one would probably assume that it would be Moses' mother. So rather than she herself following the basket, she sends Moses' sister, as we'll find out later, Miriam. Miriam was younger. We don't know exactly how much older she was. But she follows the baby. It takes a lot of courage for Jochebed and Amram to hide their son, to defy Pharaoh's order. And here we find three things that we can take from Jochebed's story. That of courage, that of faith, and as well, sacrifice. Imagine being Jochebed, a woman who loved her very own child, one that she loved and probably thought of the world of. Because remember, in verse 2 indicates that she thought of him as a fine or a good child, one that she was probably pleased with. But after three months, she was fearful that she would be caught with him and risk being killed. So she tries to take a chance. She believes that God has a special plan for her child. She places him in a basket of papyrus. And she hopes and prays that he will be saved by God. And, and I've wrestled with this story because ultimately, as, as I've read and thought about it, I've had this trouble of like, why would, why would a, a mom just place her child and send him down the river? But yet, if we read Hebrews 11, verse 25, it says, 
By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. All right, he wasn't. He wasn't just normal. He was not ordinary, and they were, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So faith and courage. And as well, Acts seven twenty says, at that time Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. Um, for three months, he was cared for by his family. And when it says no ordinary child, uh, also points out, uh, you could also say that he was fair in the sight of God. So Amram and Jochebed had a tremendous amount of faith to trust that God would, number one, protect their child. Sending, to me, sending your child down a river doesn't seem to be like the most logical idea. But given the circumstances as well, as well that they were dealt with, they didn't have many options. Now, as we continue in the story, though, as, as Moses is floating down the river and Miriam is watching him, in verse 5, Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she says, This is one of the Hebrew babies. You know, one of the things I wonder about this passage as well is because, uh, you know, her dad, Pharaoh, had for some time ordered that all of the Hebrew male boys be killed. And I don't know if it was in her heart or what. Maybe she thought, okay, maybe she had empathy and compassion. She says, this baby will not die. So, interestingly enough, maybe she saw the oppression, the killing, and thought, I can't let this happen. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, somewhat like an Oscar Schindler, the, the man who helped save many Jews during the Holocaust. Ultimately, we see her compassion for Moses here. And then Miriam, uh, in verse 7, Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? Because obviously it wasn't Pharaoh's daughter. How convenient. So, Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, Jochebed herself. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will even pay you. So, Jochebed, she gives up her son, hoping and praying that God will protect him. Ends up being in Pharaoh's daughter's hands. Gives him back to her to nurse and to care for. And it says that, uh, so the woman took the baby, nursed him, and when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now Moses probably had a Hebrew name, but uh, we don't know for sure, because the name that is recorded is that of the one that uh, Pharaoh's daughter gave to him. Moses similar to that of other Egyptian names, Thutmose, Amos, and Harmos. Okay? So fortunately, Miriam was watching Moses. And when Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses, she springs into action and asks if, if uh, she wants Hebrew woman to care for and nurse him. So, again, as I indicated, she goes and gets dropped bed to come, and Pharaoh's daughter hands her son back to her unknowingly 
Pharaoh's daughter, and even offers to pay her to take care of him. I'm sure being a slave is uh, hard work, and so much so, having a little extra income as well didn't hurt the family. And yet she has a second chance to be able to care for and raise her child as long as she can. She didn't take that opportunity lightly. So while we don't know how long she had Moses, Jacobet, I'm sure, didn't waste any time caring for and loving her own son. You know, interestingly enough as well, children... The most time that they soak up the most knowledge as well is when they are young children. For instance, if you want to try to teach a child a language, okay, in addition to their own, the first language, so if you want to teach a second or third language, teach them while they're young because they don't have this problem of, of, of ego. They're just simply learning it for either out of pleasure or it becomes natural. And yet the older you get, we find it's harder to learn because we're too worried about not remembering this or that, or maybe if we don't remember, we feel bad, maybe we beat ourselves up, or we, we, our, our pride is humbled. Children soak up knowledge. And it's, it's not necessarily what you say as well, but what you do. Kids remember especially not only what you say, but also what you do. And so, Jacobet has this opportunity to instill values and to teach Moses about who God is. More than likely, she had him for some time. And like any good mother, she would try to instill as much good things as she can into her own son. And yet we also realize that Jochebed, in some ways, had to sacrifice the fact that Moses had to be given back to Pharaoh's daughter. It was a sacrifice on Jochebed's part. Something out of her hands, unfortunately. She could not control that. You know, I, I'm pretty sure almost every mom knows. Um, I know they hope and they pray that they do a good job and that their children will be ready for when the world, uh, when they become adults and they head into the world and, and they move on, whether it be to go into college. Um, and it's certainly a hard thing to do as a parent to let your child go. Many a mom has has shed a tear when they take their child to the dormitory or send them off to boot camp or some job opportunity or they just simply move across town because they want to live on their own. They've spent many years caring for this child, feeding, clothing, nurturing, caring for, fixing wounds, refereeing fights, disciplining them. Or especially even maybe as a teenager, consoling their child after a bad breakup. And even, I know too as well, some of our family as well, parents have lost children. I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child. Almost every mom can identify with Jacobin when they have to place their trust and have faith that God will protect and lead their child. And, and, you know, something as well that I've learned over the years and observed, a mom's job is not necessarily ever done. And sometimes, you know, especially raising kids, that's not an easy thing. Because, you know, especially as teenagers, we think we know 
everything. <laughs> you know, or or um, <laughs> as a child, uh, my mom would get frustrated with me because I only had I only asked one question, and especially this drove my grandmother nuts too. Why? 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 Why does it do that? Why is it that way? Why does it work this? Why? And you know, sometimes too, especially especially as we get older, and like I said, and as as teenagers, sometimes we don't want to listen. We're becoming independent and trying to balance that, you know, listening and nurturing to becoming our, our own person. There's there's this uh, this line where we're, you know, sometimes it's like we want to be our own person. We want to learn and. And sometimes as well, we become stubborn, we butt heads. You know, as, as kids, it takes time and perspective to realize that sometimes your parents as well are just trying to do the best that they can with the knowledge that they have, especially at that time. No parent is perfect. So, if it seems like they're being difficult, try to understand and put your place to try to understand what it would be like to be in their shoes. Now, as well, even when your kids grow up, they get children, they have they get married and, and they have children of their own as well. Your mom your job as a mom doesn't even stop there. In many ways you become a mentor to help lead and to guide and when your children have parents it's like why won't my my child go to sleep and I can't remember how did you handle this, how did you do that? You're there as well to take care of and help guide and lead. And especially here on Mother's Day as well, for all of us kids as well, remember, don't take your parents for granted. In the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, it actually says, children, honor your parents as well, that it may be well with you. It's a promise. They cared for you, and eventually as well, you may have to take care of them. Maybe not physically, maybe you'll have to just manage their affairs, or you may literally have to care for them. But be grateful for them and that they're in your lives. They're not always going to be around forever. Cherish them while you can. Many times, we don't see the sacrifices that mom, moms and dads um, take uh, on our behalf. Nor do we realize even sometimes the actions, the things that we do or say, perhaps even keep them up at night. So honor, love, and respect your parents. You know, when, when as a child, you're growing up, you think of as your mom and dad as like your own personal superhero. And they're, they're the big, strong person. They always have the right answer. And as you grow older, they still may be your hero as well. But you realize as well that eventually the roles are going to change where, where they care for you, you eventually are going to have to help care for them. Now, especially for tomorrow, make sure as well, either send them a card if you can't see them or if they're across the country and especially during this time where we're not necessarily allowed to visit and see one another and, and greet, greet hugs, at least greet them, FaceTime them, give, send a text. Make a phone call. Now I also realize too that sometimes this day is not always an easy day for every every woman because there's some women who, whether it's because of because of infertility or or um, a medical issue or perhaps even you're estranged from your children due to whatever reason, um, 
this is a hard day. And know that you are not alone. We're praying for you. And we're there for you. So what can we take from Jacobet? Number one, we've learned that Jacobet was courageous. She was faithful. And as well, she sacrificed much. I pray that as we move forward, may we take inspiration from Jacobet and even Amram, the courage that they showed to be faithful to God and to be courageous. And yet as well, know that even moms, we may not see it, but we do appreciate all that you do. So kids, as well, honor and love your parents. Reach out to them, especially for tomorrow on, on Mother's Day. And may the Lord lead and guide and bless you. And have a wonderful, great Mother's Day. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all of the moms, Lord, who are in our lives. We pray that, Lord, you will bless, lead, and guide them. And, Lord, as well, thank you for them. And, God, as well, Lord, we pray that you will be with those whose relationships are not necessarily the best. We pray for those strained relationships that they may be mended, Lord. Help us to have a heart of understanding. May we take the lessons, Lord, from Jacobed, that of courage, that of faith, and as well of trusting you and that of sacrifice. May we be faithful to your calling and thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Be with us, Lord. Help us, Lord, as well as uh, give opportunities for us to be able to smile and to be a blessing to others. Place people in our lives that we may be able to help them to see who you are, Lord. And grant us the words and the wisdom to know how to how, uh, go about that. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a great day. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.